you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, it's Oliver Banks here and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This is episode 43. We live in a digital world right now and social media plays a huge part in that digital world. It's significantly changed how we communicate. It's changing how we shop. That's right, social media is having a huge impact on the whole retail market. It's giving the customer a platform, a soapbox sometimes as well, to listen and engage and talk and share in ideas with the whole wide world. And retail is an important part of many people's lives as a shopper, as a consumer. So it's only natural that people use social media for shopping and retail as well, of course. However, I also think the whole social media element has added in complexity for the retailer. And certainly, if we were living in a world where there was no social media, it would still be a lot harder to really engage people, build fans of our brand, our retail brand. So last week, in the last episode, in episode 42 of the Retail Transformation Show, I was delighted to introduce you to Polly Barnfield OBE, who is the founder and CEO of Maybe. Now, Polly has also recently been invited to take part in the UK government's High Street Task Force. She has her ear to the ground. She's understanding what's going on and she very much understands social media and the impact it is having on retail, which is, like I say, why I was so excited to introduce you. So in episode 42, we dived into how social media is changing retail. We looked at some examples of good social media and we looked at some traits of bad social media. What happens when it goes wrong? There were some really fascinating insights that Polly dropped, some real golden nuggets. So if you've not heard that episode, you need to go and listen to that one right now because it's a gem of an episode. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the whole conversation. And today I'm continuing the conversation with Polly. And we're diving into more about social media in the world of retail and specifically looking at how you can use social media with your physical stores to create a really powerful customer communication channel and actually staff communication channel as well, by the way. This is another fantastic conversation. So grab your notepads. Do enjoy this episode. Show notes from today's episode are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 43. And I'll catch you on the other side where I will share what my key takeaway from this particular part of the conversation was. Enjoy part two of my conversation with Polly Barnfield. Here we go. Polly, welcome back to the Retail Transformation Show. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Ollie. Now, last time on the Retail Transformation Show, we had an amazing discussion all about social media and how it's evolving for retail companies. There are so many different directions we could have taken uh, that conversation in. It's really enjoyable. And 
Today, I wanted to continue it, but get a bit more action orientated, particularly with a, a thought around physical stores. So last time you mentioned a number of companies that are doing an amazing job at social, particularly at a store or a local level, companies like Lush, like Hobbycraft, like Gymshark. So I wanted to, I suppose, first ask you, Polly, how are physical stores playing their part? What do you see these companies and others doing really well at a local level where they are managing or engaging customers that are nearby them rather than at a corporate level? Tell me more. Well, I think this is one of the really interesting dynamics of social media and retail, which is this idea that social is so personal, but yet brands use it to direct traffic to websites, not their biggest physical asset, which is their store. And if you start digging into that, um, and we've done a lot of this because we've been working um, on some high street projects for the last few years that's now resulted in us being part of the high street task force. We've built an index that lets us measure the digital output of every retailer in the country on a daily basis and localize it and look at how does that conversation impact locally. And what's extraordinary about it is that the vast majority of brands just never talk about their physical presence. And actually, ironically, that also applies to independence as well. Um, some sort of the some sort of wall that people seem to go past when they have a website and a, a social media, which is that you must only talk about uh, your online presence and not your physical presence. That's interesting, isn't it? It's almost like, oh well, I'm engaging on a di- digital channel, so you must want to stay in a digital channel. So I'll send you to the website. And it's so interesting when so many retailers now are talking about the challenges of the high street around footfall disappearing online. <laughs> And yet they have this channel that they're not using to drive football. It's quite weird. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, when you actually sit back and think about it, it's kind of crazy. Um, unless somebody knows something that I don't know, I just don't understand why you wouldn't use this extraordinarily responsive digital channel to support your physical asset as well. Because let's not forget, it's almost as though the rules were written when people were sat at their desktop machine and they've never been re- re- reinvestigated. Because I'm now consuming social media when I'm on the high street. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb there, Polly. I'm going to say the rules were written when someone was sitting at their desktop and they have not been written. <laughs> I agree. Okay, I agree. Ollie. I agree. So that's what's really interesting is that no, that the, the consumer's behaviour has overtaken the rule book. The, the consumer has run off the pitch with a ball and nobody's really noticed, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we're still, you know, the, the com- companies are still playing rugby and tackling the hell, hell out of each other, but the, ball, the consumers run off and they're on the next pitch. Because, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your content and I'm nearby, but you don't talk to me. And I think that's where when you pick apart the strategies of people like Primark, Hobbycraft, B&M, uh, Lush, they're all doing it slightly differently but they're all smashing the numbers. They're doing well. But they have got that blend of digital and physical right. And they are pleasing the customer. And ultimately, that's what retail is about, right? It's about how do you please your customer and how do you sell the product? Social is not for selling per se. Social is for engaging your customer in the right way, in the right time, with the right message. They've nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. And how how do you see the the, the store associates playing their part. I think one of the big challenges, and I'm, I'm making a massive assumption here. So if you're listening and I'm totally wrong, feel free to shoot me down on this. One of the big challenges that big retailers have is it feels like perhaps store teams aren't trusted with social channels in the name of the brand. You know, they haven't been through press training or media training, that sort of thing. Yet they're talking to 
hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at one moment in time. Is it is it a trust issue that you think stops many retailers doing something great locally? Oh, without doubt, Holly. So there's abject horror when you talk to many retailers about local engagement. But if you step back for a moment and think about it again, it's a little bit, little bit like the rule book was written is slightly out of date because if I go into a store and have a rubbish experience with um, a store associate, the first thing I will do is take to either Instagram or Twitter and tell tell all my friends about it. So it's it's gonna it, the, the 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 experience is already social, even though you haven't had the, the local team. And so you'll allow your 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 staff to talk to your customers, who can then post the experience on social. But you won't empower your staff to engage with that customer on social. That I think is a very strange dynamic, um, and particularly when you've got tools available that means you can measure and track exactly how and what is being said very easily. It, it's, I think it's just a part of the evolution that's not happened yet. There are brands, uh, for example, John Lewis, I know, um, enable their staff to engage with agreed content uh, and post that content out through the staff's own channels. But again, it's very much a posting strategy, not an engagement strategy. So things are evolving, but you know, back to the analogy, the customer's already running quite quickly. Uh, and there's probably, you know, heading over the horizon. And so the brands that catch up fastest will win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I was talking to Steve Leach from NYSER recently on the podcast. What a lovely man. He's a, he's a great guy. And he was talking about how, how, how NYSER, which are obviously run by, run by independent retailers, how they're doing an amazing job engaging locally and how they're, they're empowering that local independent force to, to go out and talk and just engage with their local customers. Convenience is a big deal, of course, in food, and that's really working for them. So it's interesting to hear how, how different companies are approaching this. And obviously that, that local factor is so important. Surprise, surprise, of course. <laughs> it's absolutely key. I mean, the work that we're doing in towns and with landlords really, really highlights the impact that social has. When you localize a conversation, more people turn up. We've delivered queues for store openings and uh, increased footfall to venues massively, just really simply by empowering the local businesses to talk about what's going on. Um, it's not rocket science, you know. It's if you, if you if you talk about something, people turn up. If you don't if you don't tell them that it happens where it is, they don't. The work we're doing with people like the British Independent Retailers Association is all about helping businesses understand that social media is not about necessarily driving online sales. Social media is just as important at delivering physical footfall to a store. That's interesting. I suppose if we were to rewind pre-social media, it would be the equivalent of having a guy standing in the, on the high street with a sandwich board or, or leafleting in nearby areas to tell people about something. It's about getting the word out there and, and having a conversation, right? Well, it, it comes back to this whole piece of, you know, as a, as a landlord, or as a place, or as a retailer, you need to know and, and be able to reach out to your audience when, when there's something good happening. Now, if you, if you can't do that locally, uh, is it really any surprise that your footfall's dropping? When, mm. when, as a, when as a consumer, I've got so much stuff competing for my time. You know, you've got to, you've got to really grab me and move me about. And as a consumer, the thing that moves me is what I see in the palm of my hand. And so if you're not engaging me there and, and inviting me back, I'm probably not going to come because something else grabbed my attention. Yeah, we do have short attention spans now. <laughs> <laughs> to 
damn right. There's so much going on, isn't it? And it's and it's. But it, I think what's what's exciting is it's it's not that difficult to do it extraordinarily well. And you know, there are so many examples of where extraordinarily good content delivers game-changing results. That's interesting. So I want to flip things around a little bit here, Polly. So last time we were talking about the importance of really engaging. Uh, in, in consumer conversations and, and answering comments around when you've when you've run an ad and you've got a whole load of of interesting content where people are engaging with your brand, but I want to to play devil's advocate here a bit. You you mentioned that often they don't have the resource in place, so it's a big investment to get the right social media team that perhaps doesn't have a direct ROI that you can necessarily pin down. How do we know social is the right right decision to go after here? As you know, there are so many different directions a retailer could go. How do we know social is the right one? You measure it against financial performance, right? That's all that matters, isn't it? The bottom line. And and how do, how do we know that that delivers for the bottom line, though? That's a great question. So this is where it gets really interesting because if you use social media as a channel to say buy my thing, it won't work. What social media? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. And, and then, then you get into the tricky bit of if you use social media to try and drive people into store, don't let's even start on that whole attribution there. You know, let's be honest, there is very little straight, straight line attribution to media spend these days, because I see your ad on Google, I, you know, I wander around Facebook and see your ad there and I wander in store, you can't really track that performance. So from our perspective, we think that, um, and, and that creates all sorts of lovely fights within silos about who's done what. But fundamentally, um, what about benchmarking performance on social media and then looking at financial performance across brands? So if you take an example, if you look at, I don't know, let's t- take two fashion retailers. Let's take um, Topshop and Boohoo. Mm-hmm. Two, very, very, two very, very different models, but one retailer who is smashing their numbers and outperforming the market and one who is not. Granted, they have diff- very different business models, but fundamentally, they're using social in very different way, ways. And they're going after fairly similar target target market, um, both predominantly younger girls. I don't know the exact age range. Absolutely, Ali. And so, you know, actually, those two brands are in competition with each other because as a customer, my choice is where do I spend my 50 quid? Which, which one am I going to engage with? And if you look at the social media results for those two brands, Boohoo posts four times as much content as Topshop. Four times. And for every... (laughs) Four times. But for every post that Boohoo makes, a thousand people engage with it versus Topshop, for every post they post, on average, four people engage with it. Wow. Okay. So so when Topshop is posting one item, they get four people engaging with it, right? In that same time, Boohoo... Are posting four items, yep. and getting a thousand each, so four thousand, so four versus four thousand. Yes, yes. Now do the maths on that. Wow, because that's, because, <laughs> because that's individuals engaging with it. You've then reached their friends as well, and then there's a whole conversation. But Boohoo are really efficiently engaging with. So they are they are just the popular people in the room because they're amplifying the love the whole time. They're telling the story the whole time. They recently got slammed for sustainability, so they're creating a sustainable range of clothing. You know, they're on it. The minute they smell something wrong, they do something about it. And I think they're a really good example of what good looks like. 
And it doesn't matter that their model is very different. Whether you are a physical retailer or a digital retailer, you have got to be in tune with your audience. And the reward for that is your audience will amplify your message a thousandfold, as Boohoo is showing. And so the investment that Boohoo make in their digital channels are outperforming significantly. Yeah. I would argue with physical retail in the slight model it is in at the moment, wouldn't the investment in training the store staff to be able to engage through social be really valuable? Because in the time when possibly footfall is low, what are they doing? And could that time be better spent? I think that's such a massive opportunity, isn't it? There you go. That's a daring question. Um, and the tools are there, Ollie, to measure that is what they're doing. Okay. You know, it's not, it's not difficult to measure that the, what the conversation is going on. Is it good? And I'm sure it's a damn sight better than the conversation that's just not happening at all, because that is not doing any brand any good at all. Absolutely. And I think it's such a powerful opportunity that that whole point about, you know, downtime in stores, particularly, you know, in the middle of the week where there are fewer people in stores, but you still need to ensure that you've got a workforce to be able to do replenishment or minimum manning and all these different elements. But actually, you could begin to create your own brand influencers, right? Brand advocates that are on the payroll, sure. Yeah. But they have their own opinion. I mean, fashion's a great example. There are so many great store associates or colleagues out there that have a brilliant fashion sense. They're amazing at advising people, you know, face to face. How do you take that essence, that expertise and pop it onto a tweet or a post or whatever? Yeah, because you can't, it's not, it's not like this is something um, new and, and, and um, difficult. You can, I, I challenge you to tell me that any of them are not using social media themselves. So you've actually, it's kind of ironic. You've got a, a workforce that could do this who are being physically stopped from doing it. And you've got a local audience that doesn't know what's going on because the brand doesn't enable them to. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, as I say, and the consumer's got that ball and they're running really, 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 really fast over the horizon. So, you know. Look at Lush. You know, Lush empower their local teams to do an extraordinary job. Hobbycraft, you know, they had an extraordinary Christmas set of numbers. And again, they allow their local teams to engage. I don't think it's that complicated. No, and I think it's what's quite interesting about all these different companies that we're talking about, you know, Lush, Hobbycraft, Gymshark, Primark, and, and, and more, they all have a very clear purpose. And they all really understand who it is that they are talking to. So that Understanding of customers and having a clear purpose is so essential to being able to focus your social media into the right efforts. And I, I love how we're talking about how physical stores can really start to take the social media conversation into their own hands. I think it's such a, a great thing. And really interesting that, as you're saying, that the companies like Boohoo that are doing a good job on social are being rewarded for it. And we're, we're seeing Topshop are in trouble, you know, they're widely, uh, widely commented on in the press. They've recently gone through a CVA program or are going through a CVA program. But with those four versus the 4,000, it's, it's interesting. It's really stark. It's really stark. Um, and I think, you know, that for me is, you know, for, for, for all of that, that management out there that says, well, you know, no, that is concerned, start benchmarking your performance and you'll become even more concerned. So the risk of empowerment, the risk of empowerment Versus the risk of silence or the risk of, uh, is, is I, I just, there's no competition in my book. Um, and that's what's key is if you benchmark performance, you, you can empower and then social becomes a weapon that you can drive sales through, through relationship. 
And as you're saying, you know, those companies that are doing well on social are doing well financially as well in terms of in terms of results. Yeah, they're doing extraordinarily well, and it's not you know it's not it's not it's not a thin line. It's a it's a really it's an extraordinary chasm that many many businesses have to cross. So this is the golden opportunity, and there's always a always a good time just to get back into social if you haven't quite got it right now. You can just start today. It's so easy to uh, to turn things around. Absolutely, absolutely. It's because it's such a fast moving environment. There's a, there's always there's always tomorrow. Just there, I want to touch on that point because that's really interesting. It's such a fast moving environment. How do you think social is going to change as we you know continue as as time continues? We'll, we'll continue to see social media platforms changing. I'm assuming. What what else? How how is how is this going to continue to evolve? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, you know, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I'll just call I, up I, I Mark Zuckerberg and ask him quickly. <laughs> I, I, I run a, you know, we run a platform that that we make our living by by consolidating and listening to social media channels. And I wouldn't like to tell you where it will be, where social media will be in a year's time. And I tell you for why. Uh, my twelve-year-old daughter uh, is now, you know, an Instagram guru. And is using apps that I haven't seen, and is it's con- just living her life in a very different way. And I think the rate of change is going to be extraordinary. But what is important is accepting that. You know, what's interesting if you take um, that generation, they want they still want a physical experience, but they have to be engaged digitally first. It wants to be a more wholesome experience. They want to know more about the brand and have more of a conversation rather than just go in and buy stuff, right? Yeah, so let's scale that up. I think just touching back on the conversation we had around Lush um, and the high street, what uh, and this big sort of talk of um, physical places becoming more about independence and you know, less brand. But actually, if you if, if brands empower their local staff to have a conversation through digital channels, you know what brands actually need to do is humanise themselves and make them part of the local environment. And if they don't, they risk they risk that whole piece of um, the conversation going past them. So for me, it's about understanding and having that emotional intelligence within your digital channels to be able to react appropriately. And that is about the tools to understand the conversation. It's about the checks and balances to be able to benchmark performance of, of the conversation versus financial performance and being able to be adaptive because... You know, we don't know whether the the next channel that's going to appear. You know, look at TikTok; it went from nowhere to somewhere so fast. Mm. And you know, there's no point trying to have a crystal ball. I think the the brands that win are those that are prepared to adapt and be very agile. And so, it's a mindset that communication and marketing has to move with the customer and the channel the customer is in, because every brand will have consumers in different channels and it's working spotting what works and move moving with the customer because the customer i repeat has got the ball they are the channel and they've run off and brands have to adapt to that it's not the change it's not a stop it's happened and that's a powerful message so help me understand a bit more about maybe and the, the whole maybe platform and how that can be used to help support your social media efforts there are, there, are, there are lots of great social media platforms out there, but they are often built for one specific purpose. They're built for posting or they're built for analytics uh, or listening. And they're built very much for specialist use. They're built for a, a division of a company. And they're brilliant. They're all great. 
But um, we believe that social is bigger than just a team. Social is something that the whole organisation should be able to have inside of it. Something the board of, of organisations need to be prepared to actually go, actually, I need to just understand this a bit better. And there's a big lack in, in people that understand it enough. And so maybe it has been created to aggregate all of the all of the conversations across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and wider and a wider um, gamut of social channels. Uh, using artificial intelligence creates a really simple simple set of reports that lets brands of any size understand what content's resonating, how it's making people feel, what are the actual topics of conversation that are having impact, and enables you to benchmark all of the above. Oh, and who's influencing your conversation? Kind of key. Um, enable you to look at that versus your competitors really easily to then be able to understand your volume of posts, the amount of response you're getting to those posts and how your team is responding to those posts, again, versus your competitors really easily. And importantly, giving both ends of the business the tools to see social as something that cuts across the business. So actually, if I'm a retailer, um, and I produce my own product. Is the customer always moaning that, I don't know, the zips don't work or the cuffs are too tight? Well, I should, I should inform merchandising about that. And so that social becomes a tool that makes the business better. Is actually people complaining that the loos are shocking and that's why I'm not coming to the store? Well, then somebody else not in social needs to know about that and fix it. Because social is, it's the 24-7 exit survey. It is, it's the, it's the decision-making process that people are making about buying a product, coming to your store engaging with your business and if the whole organization doesn't have the tool set to be able to use that asset then more fool you because the customer will move somewhere else and probably has moved somewhere else and you need to it's so easy to engage with it you just need to be able to see it it's so powerful and I, I love it's basically a great big set of ears that allow you to listen to this big thing called social media you know, imagine how powerful that could be as, you know, using those examples about product feedback, about, you know, zippers or whatever. Being able to understand on a one-on-one basis, sure, that's fine. But seeing the, the scale of it, is there a pattern? You could begin to forecast where, where your issues are going to be rather than having to, to deal with it all at a return centre. You can understand if there's something bubbling underneath and get into it early. Exactly that. And not in that, Ollie, but then we're very keen. We, we, we also built a large section that enables you to link your paid advertising to it as well. So you can then understand how your organic is performing and how your paid social is, how, how the ads are performing against that. And again, it's this whole piece of the whole organization begins to have a better understanding because every division will say, I'm doing that. Yes, you are doing that. But nobody else can see it. And because People spend more time on social media than they do watching TV now. It's three hours a day of people's feedback that you can start using to empower your business to go faster. That's a profound effect if you're a retailer. And if you're not thinking of it, not just as a marketing channel or as a customer care channel, and your results aren't where they should be, look again. And that is such a powerful way. I think we should wrap wrap this up here because... You've just done the mic drop, <laughs> um, the proverbial mic drop, that it's got such a huge opportunity. So I would encourage um, you, if you're listening, I would encourage you go and check out maybetech.com. You can register for a free account. Am I right, Polly? Yeah, no, absolutely. We provide any organization, regardless of size, a completely free account forever. 
and you get you get 30 days to try all the really good bits and then after 30 days we turn all the really good bits off and tell you you know you possibly do better you need to pay for the good bits again so we're, we're very kind like that um, and a really simple charging model that is um, based upon the size of your social following so we want to enable the smallest and the largest to have access to the same set of tools and we don't charge by seats so again, our platform is all about getting your whole team involved. You have different um, access rights, so you don't, you know, everybody has the tools to do all the exciting things. Um, but yeah, we think it's a new way of looking at it, and we're really uh, the results it's delivering for um, landlords and retailers alike are extraordinary. So I'd recommend you have a go. I think everything you're doing is brilliant, and your finger is firmly on that social pulse. And yeah, like I said, do go and check it out if you are listening. Polly, how can people get in touch with you? Obviously, maybetech.com is the website. Remind me of your Twitter handle once again. Um, I'm Polly Barnfield, um, so at Polly Barnfield. I'd be delighted to to catch up or talk to anybody. Um, uh, I love Anatta. Fantastic. Well, Polly, thank you so much for diving into all of this. It's been really fascinating. And to be honest, we could have gone on for a whole lot longer. It's been really great. And I really appreciate you sharing all of those golden nuggets. Thank you. My absolute pleasure, Ollie, and um, yeah, delighted. Thank you for asking me. Have a great day. And you. I really enjoyed that conversation with Polly, and I, I really hope you enjoyed it too. I'd love to know, what was your key takeaway from my overall conversation with Polly Barnfield there? Why not drop me a, a message on LinkedIn and let me know, or you can even email me oliver.banks at obandco.uk. It would be great to hear. What was your key takeaway? For me, I hadn't fully appreciated the real power of empowering your local teams to do some amazing local social media. I think there are some real gems of people out there that are just so passionate. Maybe there are some in your organization. I'm sure there are. The question is, how can we enable them, give them permission to have the power to really use social media as a, a fantastic brand communication tool, as a way of really engaging customers? We have to identify who those real brand advocates are. We have to give them the right training so they feel confident and eloquent enough still to carry the brand. I think that's still important. You don't want silly typos. You don't want angry messages going out and all that sort of stuff. But you have to find those key people and really give them permission to say, hey, I'm going to do social media for our company in this town, in this city, and I'm going to crush it. I'm going to totally knock it out of the park. I think that's such a fantastic opportunity. And I think if everyone did that, we'd see a significantly different retail market. Now, social media is not for everyone. Of course, not every single consumer is using it all the time. But as Polly pointed out in the last episode, two to three hours per day on average is being invested by every single one of us into social media, which is a phenomenal statistic on a daily basis, by the way. Two to three hours on a daily basis. So as I mentioned, Drop me a note. Tell me what was your key takeaway from this episode. It would be fantastic to hear your thoughts. Show notes from this episode are available at obandco.uk slash 43. 
Have a fantastic week and I'll catch you soon.